0: Book two, Part five. Of the Countess of Pembroke's Arcadia. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. The Countess of Pembroke's Arcadia by Philip Sidney. Book two, Part five. I must make you to know what kind of woman she was. Who greatly affected us both and who many times tore the veil of her modesty having the scutcheon of her desires supported by certain badly diligent ministers who often cloyed our ears with her praises and would needs teach us a way of felicity by seeking her favour nay when we were deaf she would no longer stay in the suburbs of her desires but directly entered upon them making herself an impudent suitor confessing the contention in her mind between the lovely brownness of Musidorus his face and this colour of mine she would begin half a sentence with Musidorus and end the other half to Pyrocles I do more largely set this proceeding of hers before you most dear lady because by the foil thereof you may see the nobleness of my desire to you and the warrantableness of your favour to me at that philoclea smiled a little but said Pyrocles when this lady prevailed nought with us she made herself so absolute a master of her husband's mind that she could obtain the direction of everything and so she servilely entreated us and love that would have poisoned me with roses healed me with wormwood for she sauced her desires with threatenings and deprived us of our arms and threw us into prison this king by his queen had a son of tender age but of great expectation brought up in the hope of themselves and already acceptation of the inconstant people as successor of his father's crown whereof he was as worthy considering his parts as unworthy in respect of the wrong which was thereby done against the most noble plangus whose great deserts now either forgotten or ungratefully remembered all men set their sails with the favourable wind which blew on the fortune of this young prince perchance not in their hearts but surely in their mouths now giving plangus who some years before was their only champion the poor comfort of calamity pity this youth therefore a counted prince of that region by name palladius did with vehement affection love a young lady brought up in his father's court called zelmaine daughter to that mischievously unhappy prince plexirtus of whom already i have and sometimes must make but never honourable mention left there by her father because of the intricate changeableness of his estate, he by the mother's side being half-brother to this queen and and therefore the willinger committing her to her care. But as love, alas, doth not always reflect itself, so fell it out that this Salmaine, though truly reason there was enough to love Palladius, yet could not ever persuade her heart to yield thereunto, with that pain to Palladius as they feel, that feel an unloved love, yet loving indeed, and therefore constant, he used still the intercession of diligence and faith, ever hoping because he would not put himself into that hell to be hopeless until the time of our being come and captive there brought forth this end which truly deserves of me a further degree of sorrow than tears such was therein my ill destiny that this young lady zelmane like some unwisely liberal that more delight to give presents than pay debts she chose alas for the pity rather to bestow her love so much undeserved as not desired upon me than to recompense him whose love besides many other things might seem even in the court of honour justly to claim it of her but so it was alas that so it was whereby it came to pass that as nothing doth more naturally follow its cause than care to preserve and benefit doth follow unfeigned affection she felt with me what i felt of my captivity and straight laboured to redress my pain which was her pain which she could do by no better means than by using the help therein of palladius who true lover considering what and not why in all her commandments and indeed she concealing from him her affection which she entitled compassion immediately obeyed to employ his uttermost credit to relieve us which though as great as a beloved son with a mother faulty otherwise but not hard-hearted toward him yet it could not prevail to procure us liberty wherefore he sought to have that by practice which he could not by prayer and so being allowed often to visit us for indeed our restraints were more or less according as the egg of her passion was either in the fit or intermission he used the opportunity of a time thus to deliver us the time of the marrying of that queen was every year by the extreme love of her husband and the serviceable love of the courtiers made notable by some public honours which did as it were proclaim to the world how dear she was to that people among other none was either more grateful to the beholders or more noble in itself than jousts both with sword and lance maintained for a seven night together wherein that nation doth so excel both for comeliness and ableness that from neighbour countries they ordinarily come, some to strive, some to learn, some to behold. This day it happened that diverse famous knights came thither from the court of Helen, Queen of Corinth, a lady whom fame at that time was so desirous to honour, that she borrowed all men's mouths to join with the sound of her trumpet. For as her beauty hath won the prize from all women that stand in degree of comparison, for, as for the two sisters of Arcadia, they are far beyond all conceit of comparison, so hath her government been such as hath been no less beautiful to men's judgments than her beauty to the eyesight. For being brought by right of birth a woman a young woman a fair woman to govern a people in nature mutinously proud and always before so used to hard governors as they knew not how to obey without the sword were drawn yet could she for some years so carry herself among them that they found cause in the delicacy of her sex of admiration not of contempt and which was notable even in the time that many countries about her were full of wars which for old grudges to corinth were thought still would conclude there yet so handled she the matter that the threatened ever smarted in the threateners she using so strange and yet so well succeeding a temper that she made her people by peace warlike her courtiers by sports learned her ladies by love chaste for by continual martial exercises without blood she made them perfect in that bloody art her sports were such as carried riches of knowledge upon the stream of delight and such the behaviour both of herself and her ladies as builded their chastity not upon waywardness but choice of worthiness so as it seemed that court have been the marriage-place of love and virtue and that herself was a diana apparelled in the garments of venus and this which fame only delivered unto me for yet i have never seen her i am the willinger to speak of to you who i know know her better being your near neighbour because you may see by her example in herself wise and of others beloved that neither folly is the cause of vehement love nor reproach the effect for never i think was there any woman that with more unremovable determination gave herself to the counsel of love after she had once set before her mind the worthiness of your cousin amphialus and yet is neither her wisdom doubted of nor honour blemished for o oh god what doth better become wisdom than to discern what is worthy the loving what more agreeable to goodness than to love it so discerned and what to greatness of heart than to be constant in it once loved but at that time that love of hers was not so publicly known as the death of Philoxenus and her search of amphialus hath made it but then seemed to have such leisure to send thither divers choice knights of her court, because they might bring her at least the knowledge, perchance the honour, of that triumph. Wherein so they behaved themselves, as for three days they carried the prize, which, being come from so far a place to disgrace her servant Palladius, who himself had never used arms, persuaded the queen Andromena to be content, for the honour's sake of her court, to suffer us two to have our horse and armour, that he, with us, might undertake the recovery of their lost honour. Which she granted, taking our oath to go no further than her son, nor ever to abandon him, which she did not more for saving him than keeping us. And yet, not satisfied with our oath, appointed a band of horsemen to have an eye that we should not go beyond appointed limits. We were willing to gratify the young prince, who we saw loved us, and so the fourth day of that exercise we came into the field, where I remember the manner was at the forenoon they should run at tilt, one after the other, the afternoon in a broad field, in manner of a battle, till either the stranger or that country knights won the field let it then suffice most excellent lady that you know the corinthians that morning in the exercise as they had done the days before had the better palladius neither suffering us nor himself to take in hand the party till the afternoon when we were to fight in troops not differing otherwise from earnest, but that the sharpness of the weapons was taken away but in the trial palladius especially led by musidorus and somewhat aided by me himself truly behaving himself nothing like a beginner brought the honour to rest itself that night on the iberian side and the next day both morning and afternoon being kept by our party he that saw the time fit for the delivery he intended called unto us to follow him which we both bound by oath and willing by good-will obeyed and so the guard not daring to interrupt us he commanding passage we went after him upon the spur to a little house in a forest near by which he thought would be the fittest resting-place till we might go further from his mother's fury whereat he was no less angry and ashamed than desirous to obey Zalmayne but his mother understanding how we were conveyed away pursued us and overtook us in the kingdom of bithynia and regardless of another's dominions set on us with about three score horsemen by musidorus incredible valour we had little to do to overcome weak wrong and palladius heated by victory pursued our sailors when one of them a special minion of andromannus with a traitorous blow slew his young prince and this so wrought on us that many of his subjects bodies will left there dead to wait on him more faithfully in another world all this while disdained strengthened by the fury of a furious love made Andromena stay to the last of the combat, and when she saw us light down to see what help we might do to the helpless Palladius, she came running madly unto us, then no less threatening when she had no more power to hurt. But when she perceived it was her only son that lay hurt, and that his hurt was so deadly as that already his life had lost the use of the reasonable and almost sensible part, then only did misfortune lay his own ugliness upon her fault, and make her see what she had done, and to what she had come especially finding in us rather detestation than pity, considering the loss of that young prince, and resolution presently to depart, which still she laboured to stay. But deprived of all comfort, with eyes full of death, she ran to her son's dagger, and before we were aware of it, who else would have stayed it, strake herself a mortal wound. But then her love, though not her person, awaked pity in us, and I went to her while Musidorus laboured about Palladius, but the wound was past cure of a better surgeon than myself, so as I could but receive some few of her dying words, which were cursings of her ill-set affection, and wishing unto me many crosses and mischances in my love, whensoever I should love, wherein I fear, and only fear, that her prayer is from above granted. But the noise of this fight, and issue thereof, being blazed by the country people, to some noblemen thereabouts, they came thither, and finding the wrong offered us, let us go on our journey, we having recommended those royal bodies unto them, to be conveyed to the king of Iberia. With that philoclea seeing the tears stand in his eyes with remembrance of Palladius, but much more of that which thereupon grew. She would needs drink a kiss from those eyes, and he suck another from her lips, whereat she blushed, and yet kissed him again to hide her blushing, which had almost brought Pericles into another discourse, but that she with so sweet a rigour forbade him that he does not rebel, though he found it great war to keep that peace, but was fain to go on in his story, for so she absolutely bade him, and he does not know to disobey. Parting before the sun had much abased himself we met a fair gentlewoman one of the lovers of Pamphilus, to whom the inconstant man had betrothed himself and who was about to slay herself seeing that before his marriage-day he had taken to wife bacca the most impudently unchaste woman of all asia as i had heard much blazed about this lady leucippi we in some sort comforted and conveyed to a house thereby dedicated to vestal nuns where she resolved to spend all her years in bewailing the wrong and yet praying for the wrong-doer the next morning there overtook us a young gentleman for so he seemed to us but indeed sweet lady it was the fair zelmane plexerta's daughter whom unconsulting affection unfortunately borne to mewards had made borrow so much of her natural modesty as to leave her more decent raiments and taking occasion of Andromena's tumultuous pursuing us had apparelled herself like a page with a pitiful cruelty cutting off her golden hair leaving nothing but the short curls to cover that noble head but that she wear upon it a fair head-piece a shield at her back and a lance in her hand else disarmed her apparel of white wrought upon with broken knots her horse fair and lusty which she rid so as might show a fearful boldness daring to do that which she knew that she knew not how to do and the sweetness of her countenance did give such a grace to what she did that it did make handsome the unhandsomeness and make the eye force the mind to believe that there was a praise in that unskilfulness but she straight approached me and with few words which borrowed the help of her countenance to make themselves understood she desired me to accept her into my service telling me she was a nobleman's son of iberia her name deiphantas who having seen what i had done in that court had stolen from her father to follow me i inquired the particularities of the manner of andromana's following me which by her i understood she hiding nothing but her sex from me and still methought i had seen that face but the great alteration of her fortune made her far distant from my memory but liking very well the young gentleman such i took her to be admitted this day fantis about me who well showed there is no service like his that serves because he loves for though born of prince's blood brought up with tenderest education unapt to service because a woman and full of thoughts because in a strange estate yet love enjoined such diligence that no apprentice no no bond slave could ever be by fear more ready at all commandments than that young princess was how often alas did her eyes say unto me that they loved and yet i not looking for such a matter had not my conceit open to understand them how often would she come creeping to me between gladness to be near me and fear to offend me truly i remember that then i marvel to see her receive my commandments with sighs and yet do them with cheerfulness sometimes answering me in such riddles as i then thought a childish inexperience, but since returning to my remembrance they have come more clear unto my knowledge and pardon me only dear lady that i use many words for her affection to me deserves of me an affectionate speech in such sort did she serve me in the kingdom of bithynia that we brought to an end a cruel war between the king and his brother this done we intended to ease the care of our father and mother when we were guided by the noise of a great fight to a pleasant valley which like one of those circuses in great cities doth give a pleasant sight for running horses hemmed in by woody hills as if nature therein had made a place for beholders there beheld we one of the cruellest fights between two knights that ever hath adorned the most martial story so as i must confess a while we stood bewondered another while delighted with the rare beauty thereof till seeing such streams of blood as threatened a drowning of life we galloped toward them to part them but we were prevented by a dozen armed knights or rather villains who using this time of their extreme feebleness altogether set upon them but common danger break off particular discord so that though with a dying weakness with a lively courage they resisted and by our help drove away or slew those murdering attempters among whom we had to take alive the principal but going to disarm those two excellent knights we found with no less wonder to us than astonishment to themselves that they were the two valiant and indeed famous brothers Tidius and Telenor, whose adventure as afterwards he made that ungracious wretch confess had thus fallen out after the noble Prince Leonatus had by his father's death succeeded in the kingdom of Galatia, he, forgetting all former injuries, had received that naughty Plexertus into a stray degree of favour, his goodness being as apt to be deceived as the other's craft was to deceive, till by plain proof, finding that the ungrateful man went about to poison him, yet would he not suffer his kindness to be overcome, not by justice itself, but calling him to him, used words to this purpose. Plexertus, said he, this wickedness is found by thee. No good deeds of mine have been able to keep it down in thee. All men counsel me to take away thy life likely to bring forth nothing but as dangerous as wicked effects but i cannot find it in my heart remembering what father's son thou art but since it is the violence of ambition which perchance pulls thee from thine own judgment i will see whether the satisfying that may quiet the ill-working of thy spirits not far hence is the great city of trebizond which with the territory about it anciently pertained unto this crown now unjustly possessed and as unjustly abused by those who have neither title to hold it nor virtue to rule it to the conquest of that for thyself i will lend thee force and give thee my right go therefore and with less unnaturalness glut thy ambition there and that done if it be possible learn virtue plexirtus mingling forsworn excuses with false-met promises gladly embraced the offer and hastily sending back for those two brothers who at that time were with us succouring that gracious queen erona by their virtue chiefly if not only obtained the conquest of that goodly dominion which indeed done by them gave them such an authority that though he reigned they in effect ruled most men honouring them because they only deserved honour, and many thinking therein to please Plexetus, considering how much he was bound unto them, while they likewise, with a certain sincere boldness of self-warranting friendship, accepted all openly and plainly, thinking nothing should ever by Plexetus be thought too much in them, since all they were was his. But he, who by the rules of his own mind could construe no other end of men's doing but self-seeking, suddenly feared what they could do, and as suddenly suspected what they would do, and as suddenly hated them, as having both might and mind to do, but dreading their power standing so strongly in their own valour and others affection he does not take open way against them and as hard it was to take a secret they being so continually followed by the best and every way ablest of that region, and therefore use his devilish slate which i will tell you not doubting most wicked man to turn their own friendship toward him to their own destruction he knowing that they well knew there was no friendship between him and the new king of pontus never since he succoured leonatus and us to his overthrow gave them to understand that of late they had passed secret defiance between them to meet privately at a place appointed which though not so fit a thing for men of their greatness yet was his honour so engaged as he could not go back yet feigning to find himself weak by some counterfeit infirmity the day drawing near he requested each of them to go in his stead making either of them swear to keep the matter secret even from each other delivering the self-same particularities to both but that he told tidius that the king would meet him in a blue armour and tell Enor that it was a black armour and with wicked subtlety as if it had been so appointed caused tidius to take a black armour and tell an oar a blue appointing them ways how to go so as he knew they should not meet till they came to the place appointed where each promised to keep silence lest the king should discover it was not Plexirtus, and there in a weight had he laid these murderers, that who overlived the others should by them be dispatched. he not daring trust more than those with that enterprise and yet thinking them too few till themselves by themselves were weakened this we learn chiefly by the chief of those way-beaters after the death of those two worthy brothers whose love was no less than their valour but well, we might find much thereof by their pitiful lamentation, when they knew their mismeeting, and saw each other, in despite of the surgery we could do unto them, striving who should run fastest to the goal of death, each bewailing the other, and more dying in the other than in himself, cursing their own hands for doing, and their breasts for not sooner suffering, detesting their unfortunately spent time in having served so ungrateful a tyrant, and accusing their folly in having believed he could faithfully love, who did not love faithfulness, wishing us to take heed how we placed our good will upon any other ground than proof of virtue since length of acquaintance mutual secrecies nor height of benefits could bind a savage heart no man being good to other that is not good in himself then while any hope was beseeching us to leave the care of him that besought and only look to the other but when they found by themselves and us no possibility they desired to be joined and so embracing and craving that pardon each of other which they denied to themselves they gave us a most sorrowful spectacle of their death leaving few in the world behind them their matches in anything if they had soon enough known the ground and limits of friendship but with woeful hearts we caused those bodies to be conveyed to the next town of bithynia where we learning thus much as i have told you caused the wicked historian to conclude his story with his own well-deserved death but then i must tell you i found such woeful countenances in deiphantus that i could not but such marvel finding them continue beyond the first assault of pity how the case of strangers for further i did not conceive could so deeply pierce but the truth indeed is that partly with the shame and sorrow she took of her father's faultiness partly with the fear that the hate i conceived against him would utterly disgrace her in my opinion whensoever i should know her so vehemently perplexed her that her fair colour decayed and daily and hastily grew into the very extreme working of sorrowfulness which oft i sought to learn and help but she as fearful as loving still concealed it and so decaying still more and more in the excellency of her fairness but that whatsoever weakness took away pity seemed to add yet still she forced herself to wait on me with such care and diligence as might well show had been taught in no other school but love while we returning again to embark ourselves for greece understood that the mighty otanes brother to Barzanes, slain by musidorus in the battle of the six princes had entered upon the kingdom of pontus partly upon the pretenses he had to the crown but principally because he would revenge upon him whom he knew we loved the loss of his brother thinking as indeed he had cause that wheresoever we were hearing of his extremity we would come to relieve him in spite whereof he doubted not to prevail not only upon the confidence of his own virtue and power but especially because he had in his company two mighty giants sons to a couple whom we slew in the same realm they had having been absent at their father's death and now returned willingly entered into his service hating more than he both us and that king of pontus we therefore with all speed went thitherward but by the way this fell out which whensoever i remember without sorrow i must forget withal all humanity phantus fell extreme sick yet would needs conquer the delicacy of her constitution and force herself to wait on me till one day going toward pontus we met one who in great haste went seeking for Tidius and telinor whose death as yet was not known unto the messenger who being their servant and knowing how dearly they loved plexirtus brought them word how since their departing plexirtus was in present danger of a cruel death if by the violentness of one of the best knights of the world he were not rescued we inquired no further of the matter being glad he should now to his loss find what an unprofitable treason it had been unto him to dismember himself of two such friends and so let the messenger part not sticking to make him know his master's destruction by the falsehood of plexirtus but the grief of that finding a body already brought to the last degree of weakness so overwhelmed the little remnant of the spirits left in daiphantus that she fell suddenly into deadly swoonings never coming to herself but that withal she returned to make most pitiful lamentations most strange unto us because we were far from guessing the ground thereof, but finding her sickness such as began to print death in her eyes, we made all haste possible to convey her to the next town, but before we could lay her on a bed, both we and she might find in herself that the harbingers of over-hasty death had prepared his lodging in that dainty body, which she undoubtedly feeling, with a weak cheerfulness, showed comfort therein, and then, desiring us both to come near her, and that nobody else might be present, with pale, and yet even in paleness, lovely lips now or never and never indeed but now is it time for me said she to speak and i thank death which gives me leave to discover that the suppressing whereof perchance hath been the sharpest spur that hath hasted my race to this end know then my lords and especially you my lord and master pyrocles that your page day is the unfortunate zelmane who for your sake caused my as unfortunate lover and cousin palladius to leave his father's court and consequently both him and my aunt his mother to lose their lives for your sake myself have become of a princess a page and for your sake have put off the apparel of a woman and if you judge not more mercifully the modesty we were amazed at her speech and then had as it were new eyes given us to perceive that which before had been a present stranger to our minds for indeed forthwith we knew it to be the face of zelmane whom before we had known in the court of iberia and sorrow and pity laying her pain upon me i comforted her the best i could by the tenderness of good-will pretending indeed better hope than i had of her recovery but she that had inward ambassadors from the tyrant that shortly would oppress her no my dear master said she i neither hope nor desire to live i know you would never have loved me and with that word she wept nor alas had it been reason you should considering many ways my unworthiness it sufficeth me that the strange course i have taken shall to your remembrance witness my love and yet this breaking of my heart before i would discover my pain will make you i hope think that i was not altogether unmodest think of me so dear master and that thought shall be my life and with that languishingly looking upon me and i pray you said she even by these dying eyes of mine which are only sorry to die because they shall lose your sight and by these polled locks of mine which while they were long were the ornament of my sex now in their short curls the testimony of my servitude and by the service i have done you which god knows has been full of love think of me after my death with kindness though you cannot with love and whensoever ye shall make any other lady happy with your well-placed affection if you tell her my folly i pray you speak of it not with scorn but with pity i assure you dear princess of my life for how could it be otherwise her words and her manner with the lively consideration of her love so pierced me that though i had divers griefs before yet methought i never felt till then how much sorrow enfeebled all resolution for i could not choose but yield to the weakness of abundant weeping in truth with such grief that i could willingly at that time have changed lives with her but when she saw my tears o oh god said she how largely am i recompensed for my losses why then said she i may take boldness to make some requests unto you I besought her to do vowing the performance though my life were the price thereof she showed great joy the first said she is this that you will pardon my father the displeasure you have justly conceived against him and for this once succour him out of the danger wherein he is i hope you will amend and i pray you whensoever you remember him to be the faulty plexirtus remember withal that he is zelmane's father the second is that when you come once into greece you will take unto yourself this name though unlucky of Phantus, and vouchsafe to be called by it for so shall i be sure you shall have cause to remember me and let it please your noble cousin to be called palladius that i may do that right to that poor prince that his name yet may live upon the earth in so excellent a person and so between you i trust sometimes your unlucky page shall be perhaps with a sigh mentioned lastly let me be buried here obscurely not suffering my friends to know my fortune till when you are safely returned to your own country you cause my bones to be conveyed thither and laid i beseech you in some place where yourself vouchsafe sometimes to resort alas small petitions for such a suitor which yet she so earnestly craved that i was fain to swear the accomplishment and then kissing me and often desiring me not to condemn her of lightness in mine arms she delivered her pure soul to the purest place leaving me as full of agony as kindness pity and sorrow could make an honest heart for i must confess for true that if my stars had not wholly reserved me for you there else perhaps i might have loved and which had been most strange begun my love after death whereof let it be the less marvel, because somewhat she did resemble you though as far short of your perfection as herself dying was of herself flourishing yet something there was which when i saw a picture of yours brought again her figure into my remembrance and made my heart as apt to receive the wound as the power of your beauty with unresistible force to pierce but we in woeful and yet private manner burying her performed her commandment, and then, inquiring of her father's estate, certainly learned that he was presently to be succoured, or by death to pass the need of succour. Therefore we determined to divide ourselves, I, according to my vow, to help him, and Musidorus toward the king of Pontus, who stood in no less need than immediate succour, and even ready to depart one from the other. There came a messenger from him, who, after some inquiry, found us, giving us to understand that he, trusting upon us too, had appointed the combat between him and us against Atanes and the two giants now the day was so accorded as it was impossible for me both to succour plexirtus and be there where my honour was not only so far engaged but by the strange working of unjust fortune i was to leave the standing by musidorus whom better than myself i loved to go save him whom for just causes i hated but my promise given and given to Zelmane and to Zelmane dying prevail more with me than my friendship to musidorus though certainly i may affirm nothing had so great rule in my thoughts as that but my promise carried me the easier because musidorus himself would not suffer me to break it and so with heavy minds more careful each of others success than of our own we parted the virtuous leonatus understanding two so good friends of his were to be in that danger would perforce be one himself where he did valiantly and so did the king of pontus but the truth is that they both being sore hurt the incomparable musidorus finished the combat by the death of both the giants and the taking of a prisoner to whom as he gave his life so he got a noble friend for so he gave his word to be and he is well known to think himself greater in being subject to that than in the greatness of his principality but thither understanding of our being there flocked great multitudes of many great persons and even of princes especially those whom we had made beholding unto us as the kings of phrygia bithynia with those to hurt of pontus and galatia and atanes the prisoner by musidorus set free and thither came plexatus of trebizond and antiphilus then king of lydia with as many more great princes drawn either by our reputation or by willingness to acknowledge themselves obliged unto us for what we had done for the others so as in those parts of the world i think in many hundreds of years was not seen so royal an assembly where nothing was let pass to do us the highest honours which such persons who might command both purses and inventions could perform all from all sides bringing unto us right royal presents which we to avoid both unkindness and importunity liberally received and not content therewith would needs accept us from us their crowns and acknowledge to hold them of us with many other excessive honours which would not suffer the measure of this short leisure to describe unto you but we quickly are weary thereof hasted to Greeceward led thither partly with the desire of our parents, but hastened principally because I understood that Anaxias, with open mouth of defamation, had gone thither to seek me, and was now come to Peloponnesus, where from court to court he made inquiry of me, doing yet himself so noble deeds as might apt to authorise an ill opinion of me. We therefore suffered but short delays, desiring to take this country in our way, so renowned over the world that no prince could pretend height, nor beggar lowness to bar him from the sound thereof. Renowned indeed! not so much for the ancient praises attributed thereunto as for the having in it argalus and amphilus two knights of such rare prowess as we desired especially to know and yet by far not so much for that as without suffering of the comparison for the beauty of you and your sister which makes all indifferent judges that speak thereof account this country as a temple of deities but these causes indeed moving us to come by this land we embarked ourselves in the next port whither all those princes saving antiphilus who returned as he pretended not able to tarry longer from erona conveyed us and there found we a ship most royally furnished by Plexirtus, who had made all things so proper as well for our defence as ease that all the other princes greatly commended him for it who seemed a quite altered man had nothing but repentance in his eyes friendship in his gesture and virtue in his mouth so that we who had promised the sweet selmain to pardon him now not only forgave but began to favour persuading ourselves with a youthful credulity that perchance things were not so evil as we took them and as it were desiring our own memory that it might be so committing ourselves to the uncertain discretion of the wind we then determining as soon as we came to greece to take the names of Dephantus and palladius as well for our own promise to zelmane as because we desired to come unknown into greece left the asian shore full of princely persons who even upon their knees recommended our safeties to the devotion of their chief desires among whom none hath been so officious though i dare affirm or quite contrary to his unfaithfulness as End of Book Two, part Five.